welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 43 of Deep in the Novo. I'm Ryan Novozinski, joined here, as always, by my co-host and my roommate, Sadiq Tuma, the sports editor for the Okali. Um, today, we're going to get right into it. Let's talk about OSU's 78-66 to loss against the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, a lot of times in these matchups, Sadiq, obviously, you'll see OSU being the unranked opponent. Um, and KU being the ranked opponent, as it happened uh, just a couple weeks ago over there um, in Gallagher-Iba when, when uh, OSU played Kansas. This time was a little bit different. OSU was ranked. KU was unranked. And KU still came with a pretty convincing victory over the OSU Cowboys. They did, and they looked like the better team most oh, yeah. of the game. And it, it was a tough one because it, when, as you go through it, the game plan really shifted for Kansas, mm-hmm. for OSU. Everything shifted. It was it was a violent shift of you know just the approach on offense. And for me, this game started on offense, right, with Kate Cunningham and I mean, his certain seven turnovers. <coughs> but it's not as plain as just saying, hey, he had seven turnovers. He has struggled. He also had 26 points, yeah. right? He had to take things into his hands a little bit as the game went along. And to me, it, it the whole game – for most of the game, at least till the end, OSU was really holding at bay, right? They were close to it. They were within 5, 10 points. Five, it always felt like they were within striking distance. And anytime they would score a basket, Kansas would just answer back. And they were never too far off, and they were getting good looks on offense. Because when you look at the first half, the percentages were both pretty you know, mediocre for yeah. both teams. And it's not that neither one was running bad offense. I think it was a mix of turnovers, uh, really good defense. And also guys just not converting threes and open shots. And that led to a lot of it to begin with. I was going to say, yeah, the defense in this game stuck out to me. Um, in that first half, I mean, there, there, there was a reason why it was uh, relatively low scoring, um, a low scoring affair in the first half, at least, um, is because you get Kansas and their, I mean, tenacious defense. I mean, they were tough on defense yesterday for sure. The, the entire game, it seemed like uh, OSU too, a little bit in the, in the first half, uh, obviously it dipped down quite a bit. But, man, uh, this KU team, I mean, they're great at defending the wings, aren't they? And, and they're, they do a good job uh, all around on defense. And, man, like, how did they do this? Like, what 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 did KU do um, differently on defense in this game versus the last time where OSU obviously won? Kansas traditionally under Bill Self has been always an elite defensive yeah. team, right? This year they're not as good. Uh, they're still, you know, still top 100 in defense efficiency, sure. not as powerful. But this game they came out with a good plan. And teams have realized throughout the season, you know, from the beginning to now, they're shading Cade Cunningham still because he's Cade Cunningham, but mm-hmm. they're not blitzing him two, three, four, five guys the way that guys were in the beginning when they didn't realize this OSU team had other playmakers, right? Like Bryce Williams, Rondell Walker, Isaac Likely, right? And on and on, Avery Anderson. Guys who can create with their own – you just hand them the ball in one-on-one situations, see what they can do. And guys for OSU can do it. But still, teams are going to shade Cunningham and, you know, stick to him. And teams did that early on. Every time Cade Cunningham was in a – sorry, Kansas did that. Every time Cade Cunningham was in a ball screen, they would blitz it and cover up the rotation guy. Sometimes they messed up that slip when it was by Caleb Boone, and you had a wide-open slip, which Cade Cunningham found, or he'd pass out and someone else would get the basket and uh, OSU would score. But what happened so often was when Cade didn't, you know, find assist, score a basket, or pass out to an open guy who would pass to another guy – OSU would miss those looks, right? If Kate Cunningham passed to an open three-point shoot, for example, they were missing those looks. If Kate Cunningham passed to Ice, who passed to Avery Anderson, missing a look, right? Bryce Williams, missing a look. And every time Cade would make a good decision or someone would just pass to another person, to another person, when the offense would run well and they would get really good looks, whether from three, whether, you know, on cuts or other good baskets, they weren't converting the looks. The field goal percentage was in the 30s for, I mean, 35% this entire game. 
Um, and then other times, it was just really, I mean, active fans by Kansas. They were stripping right at the ball. They were creating turnovers. And all of them, the issue was a lot of live ball turnovers. So whenever they would force those turnovers, Kansas was out there, out running. It wasn't dead ball turnovers where you, you can get back on OSU and, you know, set up your defense. It was a lot of active turnovers where you're getting out in transition immediately and you're, you know, changing complexion. And then as the game went on, the entire first half, even the beginning of second half, Kansas was, you know, sending two guys. They were shading Kate a little bit, but they were still playing a little more even keel. But as the game went on, Kate continued to uh, realize every time he's passing open guys for really good looks, no one's converting. I mean, they're three-point percentage, right? They shot seven for 26. Yeah. I think Cade made four of those four himself. Eight. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, you, you take the rest of that, and that's about maybe like three for 20 from mm-hmm. everyone else. Which is, again, first of all, OSU doesn't want to shoot 23s. But when they do and very good looks, you need to start hitting them. When Bryce Williams is shooting, Rondell Walker, those are probably your two best three-point shooters, besides maybe Cade, right? Yeah. And as the game went on, Cade would pass to those guys and they were missing. And he re- and it kind of gets in your head when you're thinking, okay, how many times can I pass and they miss? I need to take over. And so he did, right? And he got those points. But he also got a lot of turnovers, seven turnovers and numerous bad shots because he has to. Yeah, you can blame it on him, but had he not done that, you, they were just missing anyway. And it, it's that's where you kind of pick your poison. That's where you kind of realize you got to realize, hey, what do I do in this situation? And, I mean, to me, Kate Cunningham made the right decision, right? He put up as many points as he could because as he was scoring those points, the, the, the scoring, if it had matched the defense in which OSU had played in the beginning of the game, they would have probably been a very close game. But because Cade started, you know, t- taking it into his an- own hands, and he was scoring a lot of points, but OSU wasn't playing defense on the other side. But that was the issue. That's where you see seven turnovers because guys weren't taking, weren't making their shots, and a lot of it fell on him because he had to do it. Not just falling on him in terms of, hey, there's a scoring load. Falling on him in terms of he had to handle the ball more. And, yeah, he's going to take blame for that. But you've got to realize the situation at hand. Here's my analogy, okay? this, And I'm so glad you brought this up is that, first of all, I mean, we'll, get the, just, we'll just get the cliche aside. We'll just get it out of there. This is becoming a cliche in our show, but Cade is a shooter. Okay, Cade is a shooter. He's the best shooter on this team, I think. Um, Cade is great at getting open. Okay. He's great at creating his own shot. He's great at finishing some of the opportunities that, that his teammates are setting up for him. The only problem is, is that his team has the exact opposite problem. Okay. They don't finish the opportunities that Cade sets up for them. Right. right? Um, so, so it'll be Cade Cunningham, right? And, and it might not even just be an out, outright Cade Cunningham assist. It might be, like you said, a, a pass to an assist, a pass to a pass to a pass to an assist, right? And then they don't follow through with them, right? They, 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 yeah. they miss these uh, seemingly easy opportunities. And it, it's a fascinating thing to see. It's, it's, it's really alarming because I thought that at this point in the season, they would um, correct some of these woes. But it's becoming more more and more of a problem. I, I think for the most part, they've been good with it. Right? I mean, that's why you take down a team like Texas, yeah. where other guys besides Cade are contributing and able to. Mm-hmm. Like Avery Anderson, for example, he's having an excellent season. Much improved three-point stroke. We've seen what Ice can do all season long. There's a reason this team stuck with Baylor without Cade, right? I think for the most part, they figured out their roles. They're not going to be a volume three-point shooting sure. team. But guys like Bryce Williams might take seven threes. Rondo Walker can take mm-hmm. five, seven, six, seven threes, right? And because those guys are better three-point shooters. And these guys have found their role. they found their niche in this entire team. This is just one of those games where I think it's an outlier, but the score looks so bad for other reasons, right? It's like if you watch first half or second half, by the end of it, they were blitzing three, four guys onto Cade with reckless abandon because they knew – because Cade saw that coming, and he has to force a shot up anyway (laughs) because if he doesn't, then he's going to pass to someone who he thinks will miss. And if he does – 
um, they're going to mess, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the equation you're handed. So that's the tough thing for a guy like Kate Cunningham. Mm-hmm. I mean, for anyone in that position. But that's that's kind of what you were handed, mm-hmm. and that's why the score looks so lopsided. But, yeah. I mean, think about it, right? Most of the game, it wasn't. Yeah, you're right, and, and that, that was more, probably more of a recency bias of, of my thinking, I guess. Uh, but, you know, when, when you also, you know, look at some of the things with Cade, right? Cade Cunningham's performance, the thing that, that sticks out and the thing that a lot of people were talking about today um, and yesterday is that Cade Cunningham in the first half versus the second half. What I like about Cade is that he feels things out in the first half and then he explodes in the second half. That's what I love about it. But um, I don't know about you, but last night, last night, this morning at like 4 in the morning, okay, I was re-watching this game um, because originally when I was watching it, I was watch- or I was listening to the great broadcasting crew of, uh, of <laughs> the play-by-play being Jared Alator of the Okali and uh, Sadiq Tuma being the color commentator. But when I was listening to it again um, last night, Fran Fraschella was talking about how he thinks Cade needs to step up more um, and, and take over the games earlier on. What's your assessment of that? Yeah, see, that's the thing. So many people think that and say that, but to me it's that Cade – if you if you really study him, and obviously if you're a basketball purist, you you see that Cade Cunningham is so special because not only is God given t- uh, talents as a you know as a finisher, as a passer, mm-hmm. as a shooter, um, and a defender, versatile player, right, and a smart high IQ player, but really like high IQ and poise and understanding and maturity beyond his age right yeah that this guy understands pace so well. Like I used to say this all the time in the beginning, why he's so special, because whenever he would. He would, whenever you see him drive, right, when you see him drive, just watch any drive that he drives and one where he passes off before driving. Not mm-hmm. just passes off for an assist, but just passes off before he even takes two steps into the lane. When you see him um, driving in, he's basically going one-on-one. When there is help, there usually is help, two or three guys, they're coming in late where Cade knows he can take, you know, a floater. He can take a little ju- a little layup from, you know, three, four, five feet away without having that rim protector there, without having someone glog him off or without having a double coming where he can't pass it off. When he does pass, um, when he does get rid of the ball, like before he takes two steps in, he's getting rid of the ball because – um, he knows that if you the way this is how you quantify it. Watch him when he passes the ball up. He's gonna have three, four defenders coming at him, um, like three, four defenders all around him, you know, right. staring at him, ready to collapse. And he understands that if he goes in that situation, not only will he not be able to get a shot off because there's guys cutting him off, like you saw against Kansas, which he had to force. But he does he doesn't drive those baskets because he knows there's gonna be three, four guys where not only is he not able to get a shot. He's also not able to find a passing lane. Like I always say, not all help defense is created equal. And the team, the way teams can do it a lot of times the first half because they're so worried about D.K. Cunningham, they'll cut off his passing lanes, they'll cut off his shooting lanes, they'll cut off everything, right? So he passes it off early, and he trusts his teammates and Isaac Likely to you know drive in and create for someone else, or Isaac Likely to pass to someone else who passes someone else and they get a basket, right? And the reason teams will put those three, four guys, and again, I say all this to, to come to this, the reason those teams will put all those three, four guys is because they don't believe that Avery Anderson, Bryce Williams, everyone else on this team, Caleb Boone, are going to beat them. So what you see in the first half is teams almost testing this OSU team. Hey, can the other guys beat him? So let's force the ball out of his hands. But then they realized, oh, man, OSU is going up early. Um, guys are beating us, right? Yeah. Avery Anderson, Bryce Williams. It's, it's always someone, Isaac Likely. Caleb Boone, who's always beating them in the first half. Then what happens in the second half? Teams will still double and shade Cade, but they'll do it in a way where Cade knows he can get to his spots. And to me, that's why in the first half, he sees that defense and he passes it out. Mm-hmm. And he's so unselfish and so smart that he will pass it out while still taking his spots here and there in the first half. 
but he'll pass it out because a true floor general doesn't just take shots and make assists. He also understands. They also understand pace. Of course. They also understand where to get the ball, when to move, when not to move, all these things. So he does in the first half. He realizes I need to get rid of the ball more. And then when the team starts to defend him differently, then he goes because mm-hmm. he because when you see him in the second half, a lot of times when he's driving, he's driving on a one on one situation where there's one defender in front of him, or maybe there's a help guy who's coming in late because Cade sees that. That's how smart he is. He's seeing it before. To me, that's why in the second half he excels so much more. And how poised and how patient is he? I mean, right. come on, like you could you could talk about it all you want. You know, it, it it's it's the reason that even in some of the games where he will score, like I think one game he scored like nine points or something like that. People will look at oh bad bad game from Cade. No, it's not. Right. You see some of the maturity in that in the those nine point performances where you know on a on a game like that, Isaac Likely or Avery Anderson, um, who by the way, like you said, is is taking such a big leap this year. I think he had another fantastic game sure. yesterday. Yeah. Um, is it, it's just it, he is able to, like you said, be, be that floor general and control this team with with poise, with sure. patience, with intelligence, and that's the reason, obviously, that Cade Cunningham is is not overrated. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's and that's why it goes both ways. To your point, in a game like this where he scored what twenty six points, yeah. I I think it's one of his worst games this season. I think so too. Because you you not only look at the turnovers, you look at the impact. Take, swipe away the stat sheet. That's what Mike Boyan will do, mm-hmm. and you'll understand that. Obviously, again, no to no fault of his own. I mean, in a in a I mean, you can pick your side on this, but. To me, I understand why he had to go that way, and I don't put it on him to you know take over sure. the game like we were talking about before. But at the same time, it was on him, right? I mean, when he decides to do that, it is on him. So that's why I say it's one of his worst games. Yeah, he scored in the high 20s, but at the same time, the impact does not always match the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true, right? And it's, it's the reason that uh, some of these games, you know, you can look at it, and you can also look at the turnovers, right? You see the high turnover numbers, and you're like, oh, man, that's, that's a little bit alarming. But, but right. even to that point, I mean – some of these are they're calculated risks, right? Sure. They're decisions he has to make, right? Because yeah. somebody's got to step up, uh, especially yeah. against Kansas. And I, I know it's yeah. an unranked Kansas team, but man, this Kansas team, they were the better basketball team clearly by far last night, obviously. And I still think that they're going to make a deep run. They, they still obviously have, have, are going to make the tournament, going to have a deep run potential as they will every year. Um, and they'll climb up on the rankings too. I mean, they'll, they'll be ranked probably again, right? Um, yeah. Maybe in the next AP poll. Um, but yeah, this is no like. I guess if you want to talk about oh, like history, yeah, they haven't been unranked in all these years, whatever, whatever. Who cares? This is Kansas we're talking about, and this is Bill Self we're talking about, and this is still a very, very good team, especially uh, you know during this game, especially on defense. Um, and then the issue lies in with OSU going up against a team that has. Very good big men, right? Um, because this is a short team. We knew that coming in yeah. this year. Um, how are they going to do this the rest of the year? Because this uh, last night showed it again, right? Uh, TCU showed it for sure. Um, both TCU games, I think. And this was another glaring example of it. I don't think OSU will ever be a perfect defensive team in the way they play. Not because of the way they play, but just the personnel they have mm-hmm. and everything, right? Um, you early on, what was the complaint? Three point shooting, right? Yeah. Because their three point defense was looked porous, right? But when you really broke it down, I didn't think their three point defense was necessarily bad. I just think the way they're playing, there's so much ball denial, there's so much aggressive defense. They'll bite. I'm not bite per se. I mean, they'll they'll be aggressive. They'll mm-hmm. blitz, pick and rolls. They'll they'll bring a lot of help. They'll they'll play ball denial, and you know they'll give up a backdoor cut here or there, right? Mm-hmm. That's gonna happen, and you're gonna do more good than bad. But at the same time, when you want to bring so much help. And you want to play that sort of style, especially in two-three zone. 
because first of all, zones are <laughs> prevalent to sh outside shooting, right? That's obviously the biggest weak point. But you bring all this help and everything, even man to man, you're gonna give up some threes. And then the way they you're gonna defend a team like Kansas, I mean, Mike Boynton or no team in the in college basketball, basketball period, is gonna complain and say, hey, we don't have size. They're gonna do whatever they need to, right? So you're going up against a guy like David McCormick, like a tall guy like this, who's who's one of the true low post presences in the Big Twelve. Mm -hmm you're going to bring help, and they did a really good job of that in the first half where whenever David McCormick, I thought they might front the post and have someone behind, but the way they did it was whenever David McCormick would catch the ball, they would let him. They'd make sure they catch a little bit outside, and then as soon as, before David McCormick puts the ball on the floor, takes one dribble, they would bring help to the baseline. So D Caleb Boone would be forcing David McCormick to that baseline, which was very good, and it worked, and limited to, what, two points in the first half? Yeah. But after that, as Kansas really started to hit a couple shots from outside, as guys started to, you know, score some baskets, you couldn't lay off so much and do that. And that's one of the tough things. Again, you decide. Where you watch that first Kansas game, they dominated most of that game, right? They They won. But you're going to give up some baskets to Damon McCormick. You're, you have to be okay with that, right? That's one of those weak points for sure. But you just got to bring help all you can, and you're going to have some baskets. But I think the main thing was the rebounding, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you saw how many points they were giving up just on those rebounds in the first half especially. It's going to be 20-4 to four to begin the game. But instead, whenever they Kansas would miss baskets, you had guys coming in. So it became that second point where those, those guards probably didn't want to watch and, you know, ball watch those guards so they didn't want to come bring help it's it's a whole mess it's like pick your poison left and right and that's that's really the real issue yeah and you know here's the thing too is that is that um in the second half there i just want to know your thoughts straight up what is your thoughts on on caleb boone not playing because uh, mike boynton said that this wasn't any sort of injury type of deal this was just a i guess an effort type of deal right yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, if if Mike if Mike Boyan believes who again, if your culture is defense and this and that, yeah, you got to put your money where about this, right? Mm -hmm. And Mike Boyan constantly does that with everything, off the court, on the court, everything, and he wants to have that defensive mantra. This is gonna teach a guy like Caleb Boone, hey, no matter what you do on offense, you come here, you play defense yeah. first. That's how you create a real culture, right? You don't just give a slack, you don't slack off for a guy and say, hey, hey you're not really playing defense. Mm -hmm. You you show them. You don't just go to the media and say, hey, blah blah, this happened. He's played better defense. You show a guy, hey, you don't play defense you're not going to do it yeah. and I think that's okay um, I didn't know if he did the worst job I guess wasn't big enough attention to Caleb Boone <laughs> uh, but I, I mean I guess if that defensive intensity is not there then yeah you bench a guy and that's that's hopefully going to teach him hey you need to be a better defender yeah I, I you know and Mike Boynton is obviously the guy that uh, he's got a history of taking no nonsense right you sure. know kicking people off the team and I'm not saying he's kicking Caleb Boone off the team right. by any means by any stretch of the imagination but a, a benching is is certainly a thing that that can um light a fire under a guy right and and that's uh that's something that you might want to see from a guy like Caleb Boone who has so much potential right and and someone that that can get it done and can be your guy especially with just the lack of freaking big men on this team right. I mean <laughs> I don't want to say bench Bernard Kuma to try to get the same result but oh man like there is there is such there's going to be such a um, mishap for for these teams going for this team going forward because uh, when when you think about it, it's just such a glaring thing, especially in the rebounding category too. I think that is a great point that you brought up. Is that, I mean, the rebounding is going to be such a lopsided affair. I think from from here on out, who can be that guy? Is is it got to be Ice? Does it have to be? Um, Kate, who's going to be the guy that steps up and, be, and becomes the marquee rebounder in this team? When you watch this team and how they gave up rebounds, it wasn't down to, hey, Dave McCormick, the big man, whoever the big man was. Like, yeah. Mitch, Mitch Lightfoot was, wasn't was grabbing rebounds. That's not what happened here, right? It was guards just sneaking in behind, yeah. and it's a lack of effort. What Mike Boyden said in the beginning of the season was he was scared of this team not 
grabbing defensive rebounds. And it wasn't because this team didn't have the personnel. Mm-hmm. They have the personnel. Isaac Likely, Mike, Kate Cunningham, they're two leading rebounders, right? Yeah. Uh, they're two point guards. Imagine that, right? Br- right, yeah. Bryce Williams, Caleb Boone, Keelan Boone's, mm-hmm. I think, one of the best rebounders who really hasn't played much. Uh, maybe third, we don't know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, the whole point is, it's it's an effort thing from everyone. That's really how it's gonna go. It's gonna locate your man. Anyone can grab a rebound. Isaac Likely has shown that on offense and defense. Matthew Alexander Moncrief has showed that his high motor, right, from being in Canada. Like everyone should and can grab rebounds. This is a top twenty, believe it or not, top twenty-five. If I got my numbers right, top twenty-five rebounding team in the country. Yep. I mean that's impressive, right? I mean right off the mark, and that just shows you it's effort from this team showing off that hey, we can rebound as a team, and it's gonna be everyone. It's not right. It's not gonna be one guy. You can't just expect one guy. It's it's because you watch all those rebounds. It was just Kansas guards just who were from even the three point line walking in, slipping by, and just grabbing a rebound, and that's just a lack of effort. Not finding your man and boxing him out. It's and again, you're playing a zone, understandable. But when you're in that zone, you gotta understand. Hey, I'm not only playing defense, I'm also grabbing a rebound. Mm-hmm. And it's the old saying, I mean, you don't play defense if you don't grab a rebound. I don't care how good you play, right? You need to grab a rebound. And that's the main thing. When you don't, you're just giving away free possessions because not only are the free possessions clear, they're also better possessions because your defense isn't set, so you don't know who you're covering. Uh, Guys could just be wide open on three-point line because it it just changes the whole complexion of how you're doing it. And it's going to be a team effort, and it needs to be, because that's what's been all season long, where anyone can really go off for 10 rebounds, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen Kane do it. We've seen Cade would do it. We've seen Ice do it. We've seen different gra- guys grab rebounds. We just need everyone to do that, and that's when you're going to see OSU flourish. Athleticism, high motor, and tenacity are some of the key qualities to have when you're rebounding the basketball, especially in a small team like this. And are you going to sit here and tell me that, that, there's, that every single one of these players, I think uh, there's just a few exceptions here and there, that doesn't have all those qualities, right? I think that's just the yeah. culture Mike Boynton's built, and I think that's just the, the athletes he's recruited here, right? Yeah. Um, you look at, I mean, just freaking Isaac Likely as a whole, right? He was the man with rebounding at the beginning of the season. I mean, Keelan Boone, too. Like you said, hurt a little yeah. bit, yeah, potentially. Yeah. But, I mean, these are the kinds of guys that can get those rebounds, and th- those are the qualities you need, right? Yeah. So every single player, I feel like, has the potential to do it, and and it's just not happening. Yeah, uh, I mean, was, you, yeah. you saw how they were grabbing rebounds, and a lot of offensive rebounds, too. Mm-hmm. You look at this team, you think, oh, man, yeah, they don't really have big men. Even the one big man is not that big, yeah. and they, they really struggle with that, but it was just tenacity. You saw Keelan Boone, the reason he was grabbing rebounds, he was just running in and using his size, and it was just anticipation tenacity. Isaac Likely, he would just position himself down on the board and grab it, and our defense they're doing the same thing. But but in the past two games against Texas, against Kansas, it's really it really hasn't been there in the same rate, and it needs to be. It it definitely needs to be. Um, Mr. Tuma, next week, Kansas State, Iowa State, two of the teams that are at the bottom of the Big Twelve standings. Is this a perfect palate cleanser for them after a game like this? Um, going into a, a game against Baylor on the 20th, um, just as sort of a, a, a leeway back into, I guess, more competitive play. Um, is that good practice before Baylor? And how do you think they're going to fare in these next two games? Yeah, I mean, I think, though, when Kansas State's obviously been better than they were in the beginning of the season, Iowa State hasn't. Mm-hmm. And, it, yeah, it definitely helps. But as Mike Boyd, I'm sure, will emphasize, any coach will emphasize, you got to take everyone seriously in the mm-hmm. Big 12, right? If you don't, you see what happens, right? Upsets yeah. happen left and right. Um, but it, it definitely does help because no matter what, there's really no nights off in the Big 12. And there's really no nights off in basketball, right? All these guys are professional athletes. So you just got to 
keep playing hard and get yourself to a position. But I think it should definitely help, especially playing. I mean, the the teams they've played in a row. Yeah. Right. It should help. I think. Uh, but that's that's just setting up for a tough stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, um, for OSU's sake, there's no trap games uh, here and there with these next two opponents, and then, um, obviously. As the Ocali's very own Chris Becker reminded us, uh, mark your calendars. Uh, February 20th is going to be potentially another competitive game against Baylor. Uh, we will see if OSU is at full strength uh, during that matchup. But that's all we have for you today on Deep in the Novo. I'm Ryan Nowazinski. We are back with Sadiq Tuma. Have a great day. Continue to listen to all of our and read all of our Ocali coverage on Ocali.com, at Ocali on Twitter, and at Ocali Sports on Twitter, and all your other favorite social medias. Once again, for Ryan Ovazinski and Sadiq Tuma, have a great day.